All right, well, good morning. We're so glad you guys are here with us. It's a beautiful day outside, and you could be a million other places, uh, but you're here with us, and that's not wasted on us, and so we're so glad you guys took some time out of your day to be here with us. If you're new, make sure and stop by the Welcome Center, grab a gift. Again, we're glad you're here. We already had a packed first service, and like we're having a packed second service, which is great, uh, but we are glad every single one of you are here or watching online as well. So we are in the third part of this series, Wonderland, and the, the premise of this series, if you've missed any of it, is when we lie in bed late at night and we think about our days, we think about our weeks, we think about our life and the world around us, what are the things that we wonder about? What are the things that come to mind? What are the things that we ponder about? And, uh, today, uh, what we're going to talk about is a specific thing that some of us think about. Um, and, and this is something I think about a lot. And, and so um, as I reflect on the choices that were made, as I reflect on the choices that I made, as I reflect often on the things that were said to me, um, but then more importantly, the things that I may have said in response to those things. When I think about the day that I had or the week that I had sometimes, when I stop and kind of reflect on, on where I've been and what I've done, one of the things that comes to my mind sometimes is, what in the world was I thinking, right? You ever had that where <clears throat> you've made some choices and you get to this point and you're just sitting there and you're going, like, what was I thinking when I did that? What was I thinking when I said that? Or, or maybe for some of you, it's this idea that there was an opportunity uh, that came into your life. And, you know, it, you, we've said this before, it looked too good to be true. And then you found out it was, right? You ever have those? And, and all of a sudden, what looked like a good opportunity, now all of a sudden is turned into something else. And now you're sitting back and you're sitting there and, you know, you're like, man, what was I thinking? Like, why did I fall for that? Why was I a sucker for that? Or, you know, everybody warned me, somebody told me, but yet I still did it. And here's the amazing thing. It's easy to point out at other people when they're an idiot right? But it's much harder for us to look at ourselves sometimes and say, what was I thinking in those moments? What were I thinking? And, and reality is sometimes, if we're honest, when we look back at the decisions that we've made, they don't even make sense to us. And we're the ones that made the choices. We look back and we go, I don't even know what was going on in my mind that made me think that. And so all of us have had these experiences, if we're honest, where we look back and we eventually say, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? What was going on in my mind when I did that? Now, now the problem I want to set up is, is this, is that we've all had that moment that's common to all of us. But, but here's the, the part. Very few of us actually camp out there long enough to actually answer the question. We all have the moment where we realize, what was I thinking? But very few of us actually stay there long enough to actually answer the question, what was I really thinking? Why did I really feel the need to respond that way? Why did I really feel the need to do that? So because of that, very few of us often don't make next time better, even though it's the exact same scenario, because we didn't take the time the first time to ask, what were we doing? And so the simple statement is, if you think the way you used to think, you'll do the things you used to do. It's not going to change. And so if you just keep thinking the way that you've always thought, you're going to keep making the choices that you've always made. And, and so chances are history will repeat itself. So today we're going to look at a very specific piece of scripture. Uh, it comes out of the book of Romans. Now we call it a book because it's in the Bible, uh, but it's actually a letter. It's a letter guy written by a guy named Paul. And Paul understands this dynamic because Paul is somebody 
that about midway through his life, he has this dramatic kind of moment that happens and everything changes for him. And everything that he used to think and believe and hold on to is now about to look very different. In fact, dramatically different. And part of that is he gets to this point where he's been living his life a certain way, but he can't continue to live his life that way anymore. And so things have to change. He has to start over. And so he realizes there has to be this thing that happens within him in order for him to move forward. And so in Romans chapter 12, he introduces this idea. And it starts by saying this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, so He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. And, and so if you're not a Christian, uh, everything we're going to talk about now, it's optional for you. Um, I hope that you get some information and I hope that it's helpful for you. But he's talking specifically to those that have to- chosen to put our trust and our faith in Jesus, that we've kind of said, this is the path that we feel like is best for us. And, and so he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters. So again, he's talking to us. In view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So whatever he's about to say next is when we think about worshiping God, when we think about giving ourselves to God and falling in line with what he wants, this is what he's talking about. Okay, so he's setting us up and he's giving us some ideas. And then he says this, and this is the hard part. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And so what he's doing is he's going to set up a contrast and he's going to say there's a couple ways of thinking. Um, And and so you can conform to the pattern of this world. So you can look like everybody else. You can live your life like everybody else. You can have the same relationships as everybody else. Uh, You can continue to walk down the path that everybody else is walking down. You can continue to go with the flow of culture and allow culture to be what decides the choices you make and the choices you don't make. But he says to these early Christians, he says, look, don't, there, there could be another path. So, so don't just allow yourself to conform to the pattern of this world. And here's what I want to say. How much discipline does it take to be conformed? Not much. You just kind of do what everybody else is doing. And how much intentionality does it take to, to be conformed? And the answer is zero. You just do what everybody else is doing. You, you reply and you respond the same way that everybody else replies and responds. You treat people the same way that everybody else is treating people. You make the decisions that everybody else is mis- making. And so it takes no discipline to conform to the pattern of this world, no discipline, no intentionality, no self-control. But let's ask the tough question. Does it seem to be working like when we look at the world, like we, we said this last week, like there's just something wrong, there's just something off, and it's not a political thing, it, it, it's not a, it's just, it just is. Like, and we see people's lives, and we see people's lives that are broken and hurting, we see broken relationships and hurting relationships, we see broken marriages, we see broken families, we see all of these things, and so it's just, you know, we can conform and just do what everybody else is doing. But does it seem to be working for everybody else what everybody else is doing? More people are lonely, dealing with depression, anxiety, stress. And so don't conform. And so the way that we're not conforming is we're going to do something different. And, and so um, what the Bible is going to kind of say is there's this other way you can think about it. And so here's what I want to propose. Um, do you want to be unique? Right? And, and see, here's the problem with that word. We all think we're unique. You're not. Um, you're just not. And so um, most of us aren't, and that's okay. I'm not either. I'll go ahead and tell you that. Um, so you want to be unique when it comes to the life that you're living. So by show of hands, and I know you don't want to participate in this, but by show of hands, how many of you guys have ever told a lie? 
If your hand is down, you just told a lie. <laughs> right? So, like, lying takes no discipline. In fact, to some of us, and don't elbow anybody, lying almost seems to come natural sometimes, right? To protect our image, to protect ourselves. All right, don't raise your hand on this one because we don't want to know, but uh, just answer it to yourself. Have you ever stolen before? Now, most of us immediately are like, no, I'm not a thief, okay? Have you ever stolen a pin from a waiter? Have you ever stolen a towel from a hotel? Have you ever stolen someone's idea? All right, if you still haven't answered yes, let me ask your mom, have you ever stole a cookie? Yeah? So all of us have stolen. We've all lied. We've all stolen. All right, how about this one? And don't raise your hands again. Just answer for yourself. Have you ever treated anybody unfairly? Yeah. Have you ever gossiped about anybody? Yeah. See, everybody does that. Everybody lies, everybody steals, everybody cheats, everybody treats people unfairly, everybody's gossiped about somebody. So everybody does that. So that's just conforming to the things that everybody else is doing. But we don't want to be like everybody else, right? And so God says, if you want to be unique, he says, don't do those things. You need to be different. You need to be transformed. I don't want to live like everybody else. I don't want my marriage to go the way that everybody else seems to be going. I don't want my relationships and my friendships to look like everybody else's. And I don't want to wonder one day if my kids are going to come see me. I don't want any of that. And I don't want it for you either. I don't want to live my life always asking, what was I thinking? And so Paul says, you want to live differently. So he goes on. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's saying, okay, so there's this pattern of this world, but there's this other alternative in which you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and so you got to think about things differently. You got to approach things differently. You got to allow yourself some time to kind of work through these things. And so some changes might need to be made. And, and you've got to pay attention to what you're thinking and what you're doing. And so he says, you know, you got to renew your mind. You got to renew the way that you think. You got to renew what you put into your mind and what you allow yourself to think about yourself and what you allow other people to perceive upon you and what you put in here. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the idea of renewing is to make new. Okay, so you're going to re you're going to redo something. You're going to make something new. So so let me ask you, give you an illustration. Um, has anybody in here ever restored a piece of furniture? I have not, so I'm just asking, okay? I've never done that. Um, but how about this? I know there's some car guys in there. Have you guys ever, like, restored a car or, like, that, that, you know, yeah, and a lot of you have or you've worked on your car. I cannot do any of those things. And so, um, but here's, I'll tell you, see, see have, if you've ever watched somebody and there's shows about this where they restore old furniture and antiques and all this stuff where you've seen somebody kind of restore a car or, or bring a car back to life, um, here's what you learn. It's a process and it's hard. So when I was 21 years old, I had this old Nissan pickup truck, and um, I loved that truck. It did not have power steering. It was a clutch that didn't work all the time, um, but I loved that truck. And, and one day, um, I noticed there was some rust uh, on my driver's side door, and, and it was a black truck, and I was like, well, I want to fix that, because, you know, the ladies seem to love this truck. They didn't, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but I did, and so, uh, so I was like, well, I got to fix this truck, and so I went to Walmart. And I was like, I'm just going to buy some paint and just kind of, you know, cover up the rust, right? And so I went and bought some Rust-Oleum because it said that it, you know, you fought off rust. And I was like, well, this, this seems like the right product. So I went home and I took some black spray paint and, and I just spray painted it on the side of my truck on the door. And it looked okay for like a week, right? 
But, but see, here's the problem is, is, is anybody that's restored a car or done any work like that, what you know is you've got to grind all of that off. You've got to take all of that off. And it's hard. And it's difficult. And then after you've grinded it all off, you've got to take some other steps that I'm sure you'll tell me about later. And then eventually you get to the point where you get to paint it and then it looks like it's supposed to. But it's a process. And so what happens if you put on the new before you take off the old? Well, it's not long before the old is just going to come right back up in there. And so when it comes to our minds, sometimes what we have to do is we realize in order to put on the new, we have to get rid of some of the old. And so we have to rethink about things and we have to ask some tough questions about some of the choices that we've been making. Because if we don't take the time to kind of rethink the old and even get rid of the old, it's only a matter of time before the old will show through and we're right back to where we started with what was I thinking. Renewing takes time. And it's a process. Time is your friend. See, one of the things I think that some of us believe, and I hope you don't believe this, but we think that when we become a Christian, when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus, or when we get baptized you know, on a Sunday or wherever that might be, um, we just think that life is just going to fix itself. It's not. Baptism, I always tell people, is the beginning of your journey, not the end. It's the beginning. It's the starting point. But there's still a lot of work that, that's got to be done, and, and Paul knew this. I mean, even when we think about Paul's story, Paul's one of the most influential, if not the most influential Christian that's ever walked the earth. But when Paul becomes Paul and becomes this guy that starts this journey, the Bible tells us that Paul has to get some mentors in his life. I mean, the very beginning of his story, that's what we see, is that he gets some guys in his life. And even before Paul's allowed to go off and do the things that Paul's going to do, the Bible tells us that he had to spend several days with the disciples because he had to relearn some stuff. It was a process. And so if it was a process for Paul, it's going to be a process for us. And so maybe one of the questions we need to start with when it comes to renewing our minds is, why do we think the way that we think? This is something that I've been really uh, begun to explore in myself. And so here's some questions I just ask myself sometimes, because life happens and things don't go always the way that I would wish that they would. And so questions I ask myself sometimes is, at the end of the day when I'm thinking and I'm wondering, why did I respond in that situation the way that I did? This is an easy question. Why did I? Why did I respond that way? Is it because my pride was hurt? Is it because, I, you know, if, as soon as something somebody attacks us or accuses us, we get defensive and we, we blow up and you're going to make me feel this way? Well, I'm going to make you feel this way? Or, or how about this one? Why did I actually feel the need to say that or do that? Like, why did I actually feel that need? And, and if you start with some simple questions like that, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. But it's going to take some time and some heartache and some pain. But if you want to change, if you want to be renewed, and if you want to be restored, if you want tomorrow to be better than yesterday, sometimes you have to stop and ask the question, what was I thinking? And so Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, he goes on, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you, there's this process you're going to have to work through, you've got to renew your mind. And part of that, obviously, we believe is putting your trust and your faith in Jesus, but even that's going to be a process and learning what he said and what he did and the way he wants us to treat ourselves and view ourselves and view other people and ask some tough questions. And then he says, but if you do this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And that's why most of us are here, right? We want to know what God's will is for our lives. So if we're willing to do this, we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect 
will. All right? And so if you want to renew your mind, if you want to get to the place where you kind of understand what God wants from you, there's going to be this process, all right? And so back to the original statement, if you want to think, if you think the way you've always thought, you're simply going to do what you've always done. Now, Ephesians 4, Paul takes this even further. And he says this in Ephesians 4. He says, you were taught. Now, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Here's what you have to know about everything that I believe, everything that you believe, and everything in life. Everything that you believe you either taught or you experienced. That's just reality. It was either something that was taught to you by somebody or it's something you've experienced along the way. So Paul, you know, he's saying you were taught. And so you were taught the old way of life. I mean, even in conforming, you're taught to conform. Okay, so you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, and this is the new news of Christ, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And, and so he's saying here, he says, you, you got to put this new self on, which has been created. But, but again, he says it takes place kind of in your mind. All right. And so there's all kinds of questions we could ask about what does this look like. But, but what I want to do is, is I want to give you some handles um, of some things maybe that some of us think currently that are leading to this path where we keep doing the same thing over and over again and we keep making these bad choices, all right? And so here's the first one. So um, if you're single or, you know, if you're looking for a friend group, you feel lonely, but we'll talk to single people for a minute or, or maybe you're, you're, you've been married and now you're looking for, for somebody else, hopefully not while you're still married, but you know what I mean. Um, so here's one of the thoughts that many of us have. If I find the right person, all right, so this is romantic, or if you're kind of lonely or you're looking for new friends, or if I find the right people, everything will be all right. So the thought process is if I find the right person, well, no, that's the wrong process. What you need to think is if I become the right person. See, if I can become the right person, then all of a sudden the people, you know, that, and we've all done this, right? I remember when I'm so glad I'm married because I cannot date anymore. Like it's, it just sounds miserable. And, um, you know, you ever date anybody and you're like, you know, man, that was dumb. You know, like when you get done and you're like, what was I thinking? Right? So that again, it's that same process. And so, um, Listen, if you don't change the way you're thinking when it comes to your romantic life, but also when it comes to your relationships, you're going to keep finding yourself in those romantic situations and or you're going to keep finding yourself in those relationships. And so you want to become the right person. So this is about you. And if you become the right person, here's what you'll learn. You'll have clarity on the person you're looking for. If you become the right person, then you'll have clarity on the romantic person you're looking for. The romantic person. That doesn't make any sense. On the person you're looking for. If you have clarity on who you're becoming as a person, you'll have clarity on the friends that you want to allow to come into your life and influence you. So that's the first thing. You've you got to change your mindset with some of you. Now, some of you, that's not even part of your, your radar right now. So some of you, the problem is when it comes to the things that we're dealing with, um, we think our situation's unique. And the reason that we can't change is because our situation's just so unique. All right, so you ever been to the doctor? If you haven't, you should go because that's important. But um, when you go to the doctor, have you ever noticed how easy it is sometimes for a doctor to diagnose what's actually going on with you? And the reason they're able to do this sometimes so easily is because our bodies are all pretty much the same. 
kind of boils down to kind of the same kind of features and same ideas. And so just like how sometimes when it comes to some of the things going on in our body is not that unique because other people are experiencing those things, um, the same thing comes to the things that we're experiencing in, in our life. The reality is most of the problems that you have and most of the problems I have simply just aren't that unique. In fact, I I would argue that everything that you're probably going through, and I'm not trying to minimize what you're going through, because even though it's not unique, does not make it less painful or less hurtful or hurt your heart or your mind. Okay, I'm not saying that. But here's what I'm saying. Almost everything that you and I could be going through, I guarantee you I could find somebody in this room that's gone through it or is going through it themselves. I mean, the reality is, is there's really only like four or five problems actually in the world. They just disguise themselves in different ways. But our problems, your problems, you know, see, see, here's what happens. And this is why I know this is true. Every week when I get done here off the stage, somebody will come up to me almost every single week and say, it felt like you were talking just to me. Or they'll say things like, how did you know what was going on? Are you bugging my house? And I'm like, no, I'm not doing any of that. It's just, we're all dealing with the same stuff, right? When, we, when I talk about some of the things that, that we're dealing with, the reason I know that that's a problem is because it's stuff I'm dealing with. And it's stuff my friends are dealing with. It's stuff that I know people are dealing with. And so, you know, the reality is I could introduce you to somebody that's going through it. Now, now here's, here's why I tell you that. It's not to minimize it. Here, here's why I tell you why some of us keep up in the same pattern. is because we think our problem is unique. And so we dodge the wise counsel of other people because they just don't understand. Or, or, or we, the reason we don't listen is because they just couldn't understand what we're going through and what we're experienced when you probably should have. And you probably should have allowed some of those people to speak into your life and to come alongside you and help you. See, see, again, one of the things about Christianity that we believe is we're never supposed to carry the burdens of life by ourselves. And that there are people that God will put into your life that are there to help you through those things. But if all you ever think is just your situation is unique and nobody can understand what I'm going through, you may isolate yourself to the point that you may not ever be able to find those people. And here's the third one, all right? The third one is this that some of us think. Um, it's not right, but it makes me happy, and God wants me to be happy. That's a dumb idea, right? <laughs> it's not right, so I know it's going to cause problems with me and other people, but it makes me happy, and God wants me to be happy. Well, there's a problem with only living your life chasing after happiness. And if you don't know that problem, we'll talk. I'll make an appointment with you. But um, the other thing is, don't hear either. I do believe, and I'm a firm believer, that God wants us to enjoy this life. Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. We're not supposed to have a miserable life. That's not what I'm saying at all. But here's the deal. It's not right, but it makes me happy. So let me, just, let me just say, not in your moment right now. Let's just think about the history of your life and every person that's ever walked If it's not right, it's not right. And it very rarely ends well when it's not right. Right? So just because it's making you happy doesn't mean it's something you should do. And it definitely doesn't fall into the category of what makes me happy and God wants me to be happy, so he's okay with this. But some of us, let's be honest, that's what we think. It's a way of thinking. Or how about this one? Here's number four. If I only had blank, then I would be satisfied. If I only had this, then I would be satisfied, right? And that's just not true, is it? Do you know a single person that has tattoos and only has one tattoo? No, 
And I'm not against tattoos. I just don't have any, okay? But I'm not. I think they're great. I think they look great on other people. They're fascinating, all right? But, but you don't know anybody that has one tattoo, right? You don't have anybody that has, because our appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. And so we, we want these things. And so we keep telling ourselves, if I just got this, then I'd be happy. If I just bought this, then I'd be happy. If I could just get this, then I would be happy. The problem is a newer model will come out. A better version will come out. That thing that you bought will eventually be the old thing. All right. And so we lie to ourselves and we keep telling ourselves this, but it's just a way of thinking. It's a broken way of thinking that's not helping us get to where we want to be. And then the last one, and I know there's more, but for sake of time, um, here's the last one. Um, My secret is safe as long as it stays a secret. Um, No, no, it's not. Um, first of all, secrets you, you, you keep, it's because you feel the need to keep them from other people. Because you're fearful that if they knew what was going on, if they knew this was a part of my life, then they wouldn't like me. They wouldn't want to be a part of my life, right? And let me ask you this. The secrets we keep as adults, now kids are different because kids think that they, they want, they, the kids' secrets are stupid. Like they're just like, can you keep the secret? I, you know, I'm just like, yeah, it's going to be dumb, but yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> But as adults, let me ask you, are the secrets you keep ever good? Are they ever healthy? See, secrets have this problem is that secrets, they seep. And see, one secret becomes two secrets, becomes three secrets. And we say, and you know this. And secrets keep, because we don't want to hurt anybody, right? We don't want anybody to find out. And here's the thing, I'm keeping the secret because I don't want to hurt you. Here's the problem with that thinking. By keeping the secret, I am hurting you. Because you don't have all the information. And here's the other thing that's a problem with secrets. See, see, eventually secrets seep, and, and most of the time secrets eventually get exposed. They almost always do. And, and so here's what happens when secrets get exposed, is this, um, are you sorry you did it or are you sorry you got caught? Because almost everybody I know that got caught in a secret, if we boil it down, they're not sorry they did it. I mean, they say they are, but they're sorry they got caught. And I've got kids. And here's the thing about, you know, we, we tell this to our kids, it's always better to confess than to be caught, right? So why would we not believe that as adults? See, some of us, we think that as long as it stays a secret, that it's going to be okay. But it's not. And so, see, these are ways that we think that the Bible says, okay, th- those are the ways that everybody else thinks. Everybody else thinks that if I just find the right person, my life's going to be figured out. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to work out. And everybody else thinks that, you know what, my situation's unique. And so that's why nobody understands me or understands what's going on because my situation's unique. And everybody else, you know, I did, God just wants me to be happy. It doesn't matter that it's hurting myself and everybody else around me. Like, it just, I just need to be happy right now. And everybody else believes that if I only had this, then I'd be satisfied, which nobody believes. And everybody believes as long as it stays a secret, it's not really hurting anybody. But all of those ways of thinking eventually lead to a place where we sit in bed late at night and we go, what was I thinking? It's not enough to answer the question. You've got to answer it. I really do believe that the next time can be better than the last time. And I really do believe that your tomorrow can be better than yesterday. But, but sometimes we have to wake up and we have to uh, kind of say to ourselves, like, is what we're doing working? Is conforming to the way that everybody else lives, is it actually working? How about this one? Do you want to keep carrying around this thing 
that you know is weighing you down? Or do you want to be free? Because it's possible. And the Bible says that part of the way it's possible is by the renewing of your, your mind. The, the Bible uses another word that, that, we, that we use in church sometimes. It's the word repent. And the word repent is kind of this idea that you're walking along a path and all of a sudden you, you realize that the path that you're walking on is not leading you to a place that you want to go. And, and so um, if you realize where you're going is not leading you to where you want to go, would you continue to walk down that path? No. You would stop and you would turn. Now, the other idea that comes from repenting is, see, you don't just turn and turn and go in a different direction. You turn and you go the direction you want to go. And so you have to turn from one thing, but when you turn from one thing, you need to turn towards something else. And and I think for some of us, maybe the first step is to actually, for the first time, put your trust and faith in something that's bigger than yourself. The other thing I I see, there's this pattern, is that Jesus like keeps insisting that that change is possible. And for some of us, what we need to do is actually believe it, to believe that it actually is possible. The writers of the Bible, including Paul, they believe that change is actually possible. They believe that you actually can have a renewed mind and a transformed mind, and you can actually turn from these old ways and turn into a different way. The Bible uses this this language like you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And if you don't like anything that I've said or anything the Bible writers say, then maybe you'll agree with what little Wayne said. Little Wayne said... um, (laughs) I also read the Bible for the first time. It was deep. I liked the parts where some characters was once this, but ended up being like that. Like he'd be dissing Jesus, and then he ends up being a saint. That was cool, right? (laughs) So maybe change is possible. Listen, it doesn't have to be the way it always has been. It really doesn't. That's a real quote, by the way, from Little Wayne. (laughs) If you don't know who Little Wayne is, don't worry about it. Every day, every choice, it can be different. But what if it starts with the renewing of your mind? Or what if it starts with putting your trust and your faith in Jesus? There's this great verse that I love, and I've used it before, and I'm going to keep using it until eventually some of us maybe actually believe it. And it comes in Ephesians, and it's Paul, and he he writes this, and, and, and I love this verse, and I love the language. He says this, for we, so he's speaking about us as humans, are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. So you want to know what God's will is for you? It's for you to do good. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is a renewal of your mind that you are workmanship. Some versions say you are his craftsmanship. And see, some of you, all you've ever been told your whole life is how big of a failure you are and a mistake that you are. And you keep doing the same thing over and over again. So eventually you believe that about yourself. And you lie in bed late at night and you say, well, look, what is my life? And who am I? And why do I keep doing these things? And, but this is not what God believes about you. For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And I want that to be true for me. And I want it to be true for you. But sometimes we have to take a step. We have to turn. We have to renew. We have to transform. And maybe for some of us in this room, that next step is to put your trust and your faith in Jesus. 
And so next week, we're going to end this series with um, what we call a Baptism Sunday. And we'll baptize anybody at any point in time. But Baptism Sunday is where we intentionally say, hey, we're going to set some time into the service and we're going to invite people to put their trust and their faith in Jesus. And let me go ahead and tell you, if any time we mention baptism, your pulse starts to race and you start to sweat a little bit, maybe that's because you need to consider it. And maybe you need to ask the question is, what's holding you back? Because doing things the same way you've always done them just doesn't seem to be working, does it? Or maybe for some of us in this room, it's time to step back onto the path that God has in mind for us and to renew our mind. And so I'll go ahead and tell you, because I haven't told you every week, but I'll go ahead and tell you where we're, we're going to end next week. And so as we end this series called Wonderland, we're actually, we're actually going to ask the question, how deep is God's love? How deep is it? Because I wonder that. Do you? Well, next week we're going to find out. If you're a person that you, you have all these things and all these questions and all these doubts and all these things, it's fine. And we'd love to talk with you and pray with you about what that looks like to take that next step. But my hope is for you and for me that we all want to live lives where we don't have to weigh it in bed late at night and say, what was I thinking? That we can be who God created us to be and live the life that he created us to live. Let's pray.